Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Arusi. And I'm Jason Arusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. All right, so welcome back. Super excited for today's guest, Michael T. Parks. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Jason. How are you? I'm excited to get in and dive in with you. We have a lot of topics we're going to cover, and Michael's mission has been to help busy professionals achieve financial security for themselves and their families, taking away the frustration and fears that come with relying on their job or Wall Street for money. Michael's a real estate investor, technology leader, and has worked for REITs, managing $30 billion in hotels, commercial office logistics, and senior living assets. He's primarily focused on acquiring and repositioning multifamily communities through his company, Spire Investment Properties. Well, welcome, Michael. And before we just uh, jump in the show here, you're actually talking that one of your um, first directions outside seeking passive income was actually in hair salons, right? And so, so uh, a pretty um, interesting progression to, to jump in there. Why was that the choice for passive income? What, what led you to that as, as the first step? Sure. Yeah. I think like a lot of people, you know, we want to pursue additional passive income outside of our day jobs. And so I looked at lots of different business models out there. Um, and I decided to open franchise hair salons. Uh, it was billed as, you know, hire a manager and get it up and running. Your manager can run the day-to-day operations. Since I don't cut hair, I thought this was great. Like somebody else is going to manage the day-to-day. I can't possibly jump in and do the work. So it's, it's got to be passive. Um, and I did open two hair salons. I got them up and running and uh, profitable and eventually sold them. And, and one of the couple of reasons for that, one is it's not a passive job. There, there is no just hire the manager and let them run it. Managing the manager is a full-time job and actually finding a good manager is, is a lot of work as well. So if you can even do that. Um, so I was lucky enough that uh, it was in a high demand at the time. This is back around the Great Recession that a lot of people were looking for alternative uh, ways to build income and uh, sold them profitably. Luckily, learned a lot about building that business. Um, but that that sort of started off the... Um, you know, I want to be entrepreneurial and I want to develop uh, additional income streams, but that just wasn't going to be the right one for me. What were some of the key points or, or learning lessons that you're, you're transforming or moving into where you are today with multifamily? Yeah, I would say uh, some of the key lessons are around people management and recruiting in particular. It's amazing how hard it is to recruit hairstylists, good hairstylists, good managers, and how to manage them. And uh, a lot of those translate over into working with your property manager as your asset managing real estate. Um, sure. They have a lot of the same challenges in, in hiring, you know, I, I wouldn't say unskilled, but lower skilled labor and um, making sure that they stay on task. It's a really different job than I think, you know, people who are in higher levels of, of education and profession, professionalism. So there's a lot around recruiting and a lot about leadership. Uh, and I think a lot of those translate well over to the multifamily space. God's fantastic. And so you transition from there and you, you move into working for REITs and the technology side there. Um, how has that lesson, or what are some of the takeaways now moving forward, how you're seeing technology move into, of course, multifamily or the real estate space? What is um, some thoughts on that side? 
Sure. So yes. Yeah, so I'm a technology guy by trade. That was my W two job, and um, I ran most of the IT department at those publicly traded REITs. So um, that's really, really got to learn kind of the big business of of real estate investing is through my time there. Uh, I would say from a technology standpoint, we have seen an absolute explosion in what's generally called prop tech or property technology. Um, this explosion has been over the last four or five years in particular, there's been a tremendous amount of investment going into this space, a lot of consolidation. And I would say PropTech lays out in a few different angles, but one of them where most of the business cases are being made is around utility savings. So whether that's things like smart thermostats, occupancy sensors, things that can essentially raise and lower your uh, your air conditioning or your heating, depending on your climate, uh, and to make sure that it's still comfortable for your residents, but doing it in a cost-efficient way. Um, that was a big piece. Obviously, you know, a lot of the um, green technologies like LEDs and solar panels, all of that's coming in to lower your utility costs uh, in, in a significant way. So there's a, an entire green set of initiatives, um, even when you go to water. So a lot of times in multifamily space, we talk about metering water and rubs, and basically that's transitioning cost of water back to your tenants, but that's still money being paid. It's, you sure. know, it, it's part of what they're going to have to uh, pay between that and rent to live there. So what we're seeing now is um, a lot of technology sensors on water to start looking at, well, how much water is being used? And if that greatly changes in a short period of time, maybe there's a leak, right? And those can become very costly and very hard to find when they're slow, but they, they actually add up very quickly. So technology around sensing for leaks, also looking for you know, things that are out of variance from the norm. So if you have a bunch of apartments that are very similar, but you find one is acting differently than the other, there's a flag to go in and say, and, and do an audit and say, hey, what's going on in here? I mean, it, is the person just, you know, showering 40 times a day here or is there something else going on? Um, so there's a lot around utilities. Do you like or suggest that you're using now in your operation? I'm sorry, what's the question? You have any, um, any, is there any of these prop techs that, that, uh, that you're going to as a resource right now that you're using for some of your buildings that are your favorites? Yeah, so um, I would say, you know, for solar, there's uh, a few different solar companies in the Massachusetts area. I, I, I don't actually want to get into the specific names, but, sure. um, you know, I think solar in particular is good to get into with a, a company that is active in your local market. There's a lot of um, very unique um, uh, zoning requirements and permitting requirements as it relates to solar panels. And it's almost, sometimes it's city by city, county by county, and certainly by state. Uh, also incentives differ significantly by state. So I think it's important to get a, a local uh, company for that. Um, as far as um, water sensors and those things go, um, they're, you know, that's stuff that I saw more in the commercial space than in multifamily. Um, and I do think it's making its way to multifamily, but I don't have a, a recommended vendor. Um, and I think, you know, you know, that they'll likely be the case for some of these various prop tech things is it's, there's a lot of them and it's a crowded market and a lot of consolidation. So it's really about, you know, diving into that space and picking one that works for your size of your operation as well. 
yeah, we've do- we've dove into the vet some of these here, and you know we're finding that same thing right there. Is that that there's different ones offering similar products, but in its own different capacity here. It's definitely going to play a big part in the future. Noting that utilities are one of if, if your biggest expense that you can run on a building at, at many times here. Um, right. So as you've moved here from the reach, you started passively investing. Uh, was it just in multifamily, or was it in a number of different spaces? Yeah, it was mainly in multifamily. Um, but if we want to stay on prop tech just for a minute, Jason, um, sure. you know, another, so I think the business case is made on the utilities side, but what I see is that savings being used a lot for investing in tenant experience. So the tenant experience apps. So basically it's like the command center for your apartment, uh, from your phone. And that can be yes, monitoring your smart thermostats and things like that, but also, um, things like, uh, being able to, uh, see what kind of soft programming may be going on in your apartment community, whether that's outings or events, pool hours, um, you know, if there's food and beverage in the community, um, being able to get to that. A, a lot of times there we're seeing, um, local businesses that are promoting through that app as well so that the residents can get a discount. Um, so we're seeing a lot of tenant experience apps. And um, what I see is I call it the hotelification of multifamily, which is essentially hotel-like services in a multifamily environment. And that's mainly focused in the class A space. Yeah, that's going to be a huge piece right there. Just as, as we can find it, we want to make the investor experience on, on the, the multifamily side. The, the user experience, the user is, of course, your tenant, right? So the, the better you can make their experience for you, but, you know, your biggest thing is having vacancies and the turnovers as it goes forward here. And so you can have a tenant who loves the experience and they stay there for the experience. It's worth every penny that you spend there. Yeah, and it's community too, right? It's, it's building community so that tenants can connect with each other because yeah, people stay in apartments because they like them, but they, it's also because of the people around them. Yep. So the more you can build community through technology and helping them to connect with each other, I think the stickier it gets. And I think that tenant experience starts all the way back when people are looking to move in. So how are you know things like digital marketing around availability, um, being able to do virtual touring uh, of your apartments, being able to jump right from a virtual tour into a phone call with somebody about the apartments available or sign a lease right there on the spot should they want to go down that path. So um, I think tech, you know, the technology experience for tenants starts all the way back when they're first looking through the full life cycle. Yeah, we actually did a tenant referral program and we found that tenants who came in through a referral would stay almost two times longer than a tenant who didn't, right? Just because they'd come in, had their friends there already. And so they were more likely to love where they were because the other tenant had brought them in, right? So they already had that community built in there. So I think, and that wasn't even with any technology piece. So I could see how that's going to continue to just drive the ability to make these complexes even perform better here. Um, yeah. Great, great example. I mean, think about if in if you had a place coming available and you could you could email your tenants and or uh, connect with your tenants through the app and say, hey, this apartment's coming available in three weeks. Um, you know, go ahead and forward to whoever you think might be interested. Yeah, it's like the same thing with investor talks. You think about if an investor comes from another investor who's always invested with you, the conversation is a warm conversation, right? Compared to someone who just finds your website and comes in there, fills out a form, gets in a call with you. And now there's that discovery process. Who are you? What are you doing? How are you conducting your business? You know, um, you know, how can you provide service to that person, right? So it's just two different animals in the conversation. Yeah. As yeah. you've gone into to passive investing in these communities here, um, how did you at first 
source the type of investments or operators that you were looking to work with? So when I first got, so I, I first got into multifamily buying small multis on my own, and I have 20 of those apartments out here in Massachusetts. Um, and, you know, I, I did it following a lot of what you hear on uh, bigger pockets. So I, I started, you know, doing the bigger pockets podcast thing, I think, like many people starting out do and uh, found something that was working in my area and decided to copy it, found a great property manager and, uh, and started working, uh, you know, buying apartments on my own. But just with my experience with the REITs, it was, a, it was about scaling up. And so as I looked at that, I started doing, which is what you're asking me about, is the, um, I think, the limited partner investments I made into real estate syndications. And for me, it was, yes, it was um, good to go into and invest my own money into those limited partnerships, but I chose which ones I went into based on the people I wanted to work with. I really wanted to get close to certain operators. That I, that I thought were doing well, and, and, and they were. Um, and so I based my investments on helping my education and building those relationships. Uh, and of course, the, the investments themselves needed to make sense to me. Um, but sure. it was, uh, it, for me, that was the reason. And as I've gone through and, and now transitioning into becoming a general partner, um, I've really developed a perspective around what I think to, you know, you look for in a good real estate syndication. Um, and that, that you have some points things. that you can touch on that uh, would be beneficial for everyone listening. So what, what are some of those points now that are takeaways for you when you, when you see something that's going to stand out as a good syndication? Yeah. So I look at, at for, first, I look at the sponsors themselves and are, do, do they have a track record? Um, do they have a track record in that market? How do they know that market? Well, so for me, having boots on the ground that know the market as part, part of the general partnership team is critically important. I think it's just too easy to make a mistake yeah. uh, if you're looking at a market that you don't know really well and relying on just co-star data and broker data and those types of things. I think you got to really have somebody that knows the market well. Um, so market, sub-market, understanding that is a key piece. Uh, obviously, the sponsors we talked about. And then when it comes to the underwriting, uh, which, you know, underwriting is the business plan, the financial model, as you know. And I think... Um, you know, I, I think not enough people actually pay enough attention to it. I think a lot of uh, investors will look at what they're being told the returns are, and and that's what they're focused on. And uh, I know you've done plenty of underwriting yourself. It's easy to make anything look great in Excel. Um, you just need to put the right assumptions a little bit here and there, and now everything looks fantastic, right? So. Yeah, you yeah. gotta you gotta make sure you, you look at the escalators. How much is rent going up every every year, and is that reasonable? Um, how much are expenses going up? Are is rent going up faster than expenses? Is that reasonable? Um, and I also like to look at the debt side of it too. So I think we're in a you know I think everybody knows we're in an extremely low interest rate environment, which is great, but not if you have a variable rate that's not going to be actively managed with a cap or or somehow otherwise managed. So. I mean, to me, those, that's the disaster scenario um, from a financing standpoint is if you go into a bridge loan with a variable rate with a short term that you have to refinance and um, interest rates go up significantly uh, and potentially your value of your property may go down if cap rates change and you have to refinance at that point. Now you're into capital calls or losing the property and, and it's kind of the disaster scenario. So, I, I mean, I don't think that investors, particularly um, passive investors are looking close enough at those sort of things to make sure they understand their risk there. 
how did you learn? Because I think part of it is, is sometimes investors are coming in here a little blindsided where, where there's a lot of information for them to take in, right? And so for that, um, I know you put together a, a five-part series, right? I believe on underwriting. So um, give us the link for that because I'd love for people to, to take a look at that, especially uh, give, if, even if you are a passive investor, you do want to understand what's what you're actually being shown. Because many times we can take the page and just take it for granted, right? So, okay, I, this is what the page is, so this must be the truth, right? And right. And pick apart some of those pieces here to, to figure out how the certain levers are justifying the results there. Um, it puts you out, of course, um, it, it puts you out of the service, right? So so give us that link. I'd love to, love to hear it. You bet. So my, my website is spire, S-P-I-R-E, investmentproperties.com and forward slash SSSS for Spire Simple Syndication System. So SSSS. And uh, yes, like you said, Jason, it's a five-part video series. They're short videos, five to eight minutes each, um, covering uh, each of the five major areas that I think you really need to understand and look at. And now look, not every deal is going to hit every box of every item. And um if it was that easy, you know, everybody could do it. But I think it's important to know what to look for in each area, markets, submarkets, underwriting, sponsors, um, the returns and understanding how they're being positioned. Um, a lot of times returns are, are not focused on investor returns, but overall deal returns. But if you're the investor, you want to know what your returns are. So all of those things, it, it goes through. And I think it's useful for both a GP and an LP. Awesome. And through your transition here, you're now into your first uh, general partnership that you're moving into on a project? I am. Yeah. So my strategy as a company is to partner with people that have boots on the ground in areas that they know well, right? And then I work with them to help them get the deal closed and to uh, operate the deal to the business plan that we developed together. So I live in Boston. Boston's a great town to live in. It's a tough town uh, to find cash flowing multifamily properties that uh, can appreciate given where the cap rates are. So I'm working with folks in different areas that are focused, uh, that have boots on the ground knowledge of those areas. So, yep, I'm actively working my first GP deal right now. And then um, I'm also working with, that's with one partnership group and then with another uh, we are working on and continuing to bid on um, hotels. So we think hotels are, uh, certain hotels have been impacted by COVID and are now offer a discount for what you can purchase them at compared to multifamily. And so we're going to purchase those hotels and flip them into micro housing multifamily. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, if you compare that to kind of cap rates and a leased up multifamily, they are um, significantly better value, some of them. And they also do take a fair bit of capital development. So it's really a, a little bit different game than buying the stabilized multifamily property, but there's some good upside on that. So we're continuing to bid. We haven't got one under contract yet, but hopefully soon. We'll have to have you back if you do. It's a whole other resource of where you can start to find additional housing, right? So Michael, Absolutely appreciate your time today. Thank you for all your guidance in a number of different parts, right? We talked uh, technology, we talked underwriting, we talked passive investing, we talked sponsors, we talked on a lot of different arenas. For everybody who wants to learn more about you, where's the best place to reach out? Best place is through my website, spireinvestmentproperties.com. You can also email me, michael at spireinvestmentproperties.com. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care, Jason. Thank you. And for everyone listening, thank you so much. Talk to you shortly.